Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Smackdown but also Raw, NXT, Dubai, oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. With a money good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review everything that happened on the penultimate episode of SmackDown ahead of WrestleMania SmackDown ahead of WrestleMania. What do you think of it? Not much. Not much at all. The Roman versus Brock thing continues to be very entertaining in a specifically WWE way. Everything virtually else was terrible in a quintessentially WWE way. I was at that exact building for NXT TakeOver New York, as were you, Mm. the Barclays Center, and it was a cauldron in there. It was so loud, the fans were so enthused about what they were watching. I was watching a certain match on the show where the work actually wasn't terrible at all, featuring a woman in particular who could be so much more of a star than she is, Mm -hmm. and it was pin drop stuff. I could scarcely believe that this episode was held in the same venue. Just when you have the comparative Yeah, exactly. These crowds just do not care about anything other than Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, uh, Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, uh, Becky Lynch to an extent, but even then they're like kind of mystified as to why they're being asked to boo her. (laughs) This company absolutely sucks. Yes, they and, as did the show. Once again, yeah, built this entire show around uh, Roman and Brock. And despite everything else on it, like you say, I was enthralled because it's just, it, it's playing out considering, like we said, they've been building this since last year, basically. Uh, and they have got, I want to say lucky with, with COVID and what have you in, interfering in stuff. But yeah, they've adapted well with what they've got. And uh, I'm astonished that we are a week away from, less than a week away now from, from WrestleMania. And I'm not going, oh, bloody hell, this is really dragged compared to how they've done this with previous storylines. But yeah, once again, Roman being like, uh, yeah, when he go, when I get there, I'm going to smash his head in. I'm going to batter it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll mess him up again. And then the moment it comes, he's like, actually, I've got, I've just got a call. I got yeah. it. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it because uh, uh, I, I thought this show was, was really, really good. Dot, dot, dot. 
in terms of saving me loads of time on a Sunday night. I probably took the amount of time watching this as I did watching Rampage. Less. <laughs> loads of recaps. It was yeah. so convenient. There was an entire, if you didn't know why Baron Corbin is why he is thing. And I was like, well, skip that. that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we got a recap to start the show with the whole forklift stuff from the previous week. And then in the back, hey, Kayla! Uh, as a chat with Brock Lesnar, he's waiting outside of Roman Reigns' locker room, and uh, he said, look, uh, I, bought, I bought some cars, I paid some fines basically last week, uh, and he even bought a new blood red SUV, because he wants blood, um, and he said that management had told him he couldn't have any physical contact with Reigns unless he is provoked, so he was going to be waiting in Reigns' locker room for, quote, a good provoking and uh, he goes in, has a look around. It's nice, this. This is what you get, is it? I mean, it's, it's not as good as mine, but it's not bad. And then I, I, I feel like, obviously, it was intentional. But I also feel like there's many times when Lesnar may walk into a room, put his feet on a table, and break the table. Because as a setup for the the, the, the show-long hook, uh, you can't go wrong with Brock Lesnar waiting for a good provoking. I thought this is great. I was happy to watch Brock Lesnar's brute strength destroy things, antagonizing Roman Reigns all the way. It was just a nice, funny, set-piece-driven way of, one, putting over Roman Reigns' fear of Brock Lesnar, and two, the sheer, like, scary strength that Brock Lesnar possesses. A very good use of Jolly Brock, this. Yes. The foot thing was tremendous. There was more later on in the night, but just... Brock Lesnar smashing things just <laughs> appeals to the kid within me who grew up on Coliseum video. Every room that Brock Lesnar in is a rage room, whether they know it or not. And he also drinks champagne exactly the way I imagine he drinks champagne, i.e. straight from the bottle, immediately spitting it out, and then smashing the bottle itself. Because I don't think... He's not got the palate for me. I don't think so. But in a nice, stupid way as well. Like, WWE is so chronically useless at presenting its wrestlers as stars which must mean, therefore, it's a terrible promotion because mm-hmm. the idea is you're meant to promote people as stars. Oh, is that what we're doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will get into it later on how drastically awful they are at this. But even just in a little sort of visual way, showing the ornate locker room of the stars is just a reminder of, oh, these guys are big deals. They get perks. I liked this mm. episode contained specifically to this. <laughs> yes, uh, and then we got our first match. It was Jimmy Uso versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Again, another recap here, uh, reminding us that uh, Nakamura and Rick Boogs uh, are going to be uh, taking on the Usos for the tag team titles at WrestleMania. Uh, before the match, I thought it was going to break down and just be made into a tag match because it all started going off with each other, basically. Uh, and, and that bit ended before we came back from the break with Boogs press-slamming Jay into Jimmy. We come back, sort of back and forth, between uh, Jimmy Uso and Shinsuke Nakamura. We get a good, come on, from uh, Shinsuke, and uh, nice little good vibrations in the corner as well. He also hit a running knee on uh, Jimmy Uso whilst he was draped over the apron. Um, Jimmy fights back, though, clothesline, back suplex. That gets a near fall. Um Sends Nakamura out to the floor and goes for a dive, but Nakamura just kicks him right in the head again to take us to another commercial break. When we come back, uh, Jimmy's in control, but Nakamura hits him with a drop kick. Uh, running knee in the corner, that gets a near fall, and uh, Nakamura hits a knee 
off the uh, second turnbuckle. Sets up the Kinshasa, but in amongst all this, you think we're going to get another bloody distraction finish um, because uh, he sets up the Kinshasa and Jay attacks Rick Boogs at ringside. Uh, Jimmy hits a super kick for a really good two count, and then Jay goes after or goes to get Boogs' guitar at ringside, but Boogs is not going to let that happen this time. He grabs it and uses it to throw Jay into the ring post. That distracts Jimmy, who turns around into the Kinshasa. One, two, three. Momentum heading towards WrestleMania. I was, I was just about to say the same thing. I was so gripped by this electrifying in-ring action because I was on the hook for the main like meat of the story. Like Who is going to get momentum heading into WrestleMania and my God, I didn't think it was going to be Nakamura <laughs> when I saw a lot of the additional seconds heavy action on the outside. But it turns out, oh my God, Nakamura has got the momentum going into WrestleMania 38. Look, this is a patterned Nakamura match, the likes of which we've been watching for years. It will never not be bittersweet. Viewed in isolation, had you not watched New Japan Pro Wrestling, this is probably one of his better mid-card efforts mm. of late. But I still don't care. Stakes are rubbish. The actual beats of the story are shamelessly creatively bankrupt. I felt insulted watching it. I felt like there was no point in me watching it. Individual members of tag teams have a match with respective mem- uh, respective opponent for, for the sake of who gets a little bit of what confidence going into WrestleMania. All you're doing is just diluting the idea of making this feel like a premium attraction. I hate WWE, man. <laughs> well, uh, we rapidly follow that with another recap, this time of uh, Kevin Skip. Owens co- cosplaying a Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, and then we go back to Reigns' locker room for some good stuff. Lesnar is, yes, drinking champagne and eating grapes. And uh, that was when he, he gozzed all the champagne everywhere and chucked it against the wall. And Cole and McAfee uh, talk about the fact that Reigns is still on his way to the arena. Um, they mention, obviously, The Undertaker going into the Hall of Fame um, and the fact that Vince McMahon's in, inducting Undertaker. And then there was a lovely moment mentioning Shad Gaspard quite rightly receiving yep. the Warrior Award this year. Uh, and then we go backstage and Kayla Braxton is chatting to Drew McIntyre, who uh, is having a great time making uh, Happy Corbin's life miserable, basically. And he said he could beat him at any time, but he wants to beat him uh, at the grandest stage of them all. I feel so sorry for Drew, man. <sighs> yeah, I guess. The storyline's absolutely rotten. Mm. And the worst thing about it is that they, like, after finally reaching this point of an incredibly mid-storyline, a waste of Drew McIntyre's gifts, if anything else, the whole point should be, Happy Corbin was even more of a prick than he was before he lost everything. That should be the heat. And it should be this dickhead who learned what it was to live in the common man's shoes, if you like, and then learned nothing. And he's even worse than people who take their um, entitlement for granted. And now they're kind of baby-facing him. <laughs> yeah. Like, wh- wh- just do that after. I haven't suffered through the most mid-purposefully terrible stuff on purpose to then have the implication being that, oh, he's going to turn face. Mm. Like, what is this? Wait. Wait. There's a great article uh, featuring Happy Corbin up at whatculture.com. It's a list called 10 Wrestlers Who Went to Insane Lengths to Get Over But Didn't. I don't know who wrote this. It was me. Oh, well, there you go then. Whatculture.com if you want to go and check that out because it's a genuinely great read. Um, returning to SmackDown, though, in this this storyline, um, they do a whole package, as I mentioned, of Corbin going broke and then becoming Happy Corbin and uh, Mad Cat Moss and then talked about them trying to kill Drew McIntyre at day one. And uh, 
Corbyn said uh, he's so happy about just constantly beating up Drew McIntyre. They could make a movie about him. It could win an Oscar. For a split second, I forgot it was the Oscars weekend. And boy, did I not forget that this morning. Um, For a split second, I forgot it was the Oscars weekend and genuinely thought he was making a nod to our podcast when we talked about like Alexa Bliss deserving an Oscar or what have you. Um, Anyway, Moss says, oh yeah, we could make a film about it and we could call it Bald Fellas. I was like, the last king of Scotland is right there. He used to be a king. He's from Scotland. Doesn't matter. Anyway, it's, it's never going to reach the heights of the poo day. So. No. And <laughs> the idea being that Corbyn has got an antagonist. No, he is the antagonist. Mm. I've suffered months of this. Just <laughs> get, get his ass kicked. People might like it. And then they can turn him face. Why are they doing it now? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, right. Then we thought we were getting Ridge Bloody Holland versus Kofi Kingston, but he reveals you're facing a different member of the New Day, and I thought, well, it's better be, it's better be Xavier Woods coming back. Uh, again, we wish uh, Big E well in his recovery. And he was King Woods making his return, the guy with the best theme music in WWE right now, in my opinion. That is my jam, Michael Sidgwick. Bow down. Uh, he gets a great reaction coming out and beats Ridge Holland inside a minute. Uh, Ridge Holland... Knocked him down early on, went after Woods' leg, and then got small packaged. Cool. Nice to see Woods back, though. Yeah, I guess. I love I love Woods. Oh, I love him. And I they, like they, him this lot. sets up... Uh, he's okay. No, he's, all, no, he's great. By all reports, uh, this sets up the New Day versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland, or Butch, of course. We'll do Butch because he's not dangerous. Mm. Butch and Sheamus versus the New Day. Just do that. Yeah. Great to see Xavier Woods back, though. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what they do with him after WrestleMania. He could be one of those, you know, you, you always do the weird pushers. Oh, yes. He could be up there. Like, he deserves it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's never someone who deserves a push, though. No, it is. There's a big. We should just make a big uh, tombola, write loads of mid-carders' names on it, and we'll draw them out, and then we can do the list that well, way. We've already done it with Ricochet. <laughs> Uh, right, we got an announcement from Roman Reigns following that. Uh, in, he's in the back of his car with uh, Paul Heyman, who fakes doing the, the Brock Lesnar introduction, hands over to the tribal chief, uh, who says, oh, they've had a hell of a day in New York. Uh, they went to a steakhouse. Uh, they got five grand's worth of sides. Uh, they stopped by Madison Square Garden to remind everyone that's where he battered Brock Lesnar recently. Bit of exposition, huh? Yeah, and, uh, and he said... Yeah, you better be out of my locker room by the time I get to the Barclays Centre. I'm going to make you bleed again. I think they... they, they so are, are they hinting, Adam Wilborn, towards some gory self-mutilation? Quite possibly. That would make them hypocritical. That's the best thing about this. They can either make themselves out to be total hypocrites, which is funny, or two, they could have Lesnar bust him open the hard way again, and they could be incredibly reckless instead <laughs> when there's a blade right there. Hey, it's all about... Blood and guts in this feud. It is. But I do love, again, just like, yeah, you, you better be gone when I'm there. Or otherwise, I'm going to do the sneak attack again like I did previously. You can just He just sells it so well in his face of like, the words he's saying are technically badass, but he's just giving himself away at every turn. And yeah, it's class. As I said, like it's a really unique way of showing ass, and I mm. appreciate it. Uh, what we got next was Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. Oh, my God. Uh, Ronda Rousey comes down to the ring, grabs the mic, and uh, promises eventually to beat Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown women's title. She gets a bit confused because it's SmackDown 
no, women's SmackDown title, and then she just says SmackDown title, and then she says this. But uh, she uh, she promised she was going to win the SmackDown Women's Championship, basically. Demands that uh, Charlotte Flair comes down to the ring, but Charlotte Flair appears on the big screen, says, I'm not there, I wouldn't come to that crap hole of a town or whatever. And uh, Rousey fires back saying that she broke her first arm when she was 14, and it wasn't her own. Um, and she's broken many over the years, so many, in fact, that she has lost count. Um, she calls them the forgotten. And she says, look, <laughs> if you beat me, uh, it's going to be the biggest moment of you, your career. But if I beat you, if I break your arm, you're just going to be another number, another member of the forgotten. This is absolutely terrible. This is absolutely terrible. Like, it's, it must be the biggest indictment imaginable if you're on a program with Charlotte Flair, whose entire character at this point is go away in sufferable cadence heat, and you don't make people want to see you kick that person's ass. Not a fan of this war of words? I thought it was absolutely abysmal. Genuinely, like, Ronda Rousey needs a mouthpiece. I understand it's difficult when she's a baby face, because in WWE law, it's usually, like, if you need a second, a manager... It's not someone who can talk on your behalf. It's someone who can cheat on your behalf. Yeah. Uh, like Ronda Rousey's delivery. Like, our words are so weird. They're forgotten. <laughs> You're just one of the lost count. Yeah. What, what's that? <laughs> it's, she's visibly uncomfortable. Yes. There's someone that, there's no one on that roster who should have more confidence in their abilities to be a badass than Ronda Rousey. But you stick a script in front of her, and it's kind of impossible for her to appear like that because she trips over her words. I understand that there's a reason why she's not particularly good at it, and we should be empathetic towards that, but that should be recognized, and she should be given a mouthpiece or like minimal scripting, or at least someone should have a word and say, look, some of the things you say are weird, and the fact that you stumble over those weird things just means there's no electricity, there's no flow to anything that you do. You are the most intimidating person nominally on this entire roster, and you completely undermine your own aura every time you talk. Take advice from Brock Lesnar. Keep it simple. Roman Reigns, I want blood, last week or whatever it was that he said. That stuck with me. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to come and take that title and blah, blah. I want blood. But in terms of the way... Charlotte people... Flair, I'm going to break your arm at WrestleMania and embarrass you in front of the world. Yeah, the... There's no such thing as economy, really, in WWE because so much of the script-heavy approach dominates the television. They could learn lessons from Miro and Moxley. I'm not saying she could be a good enough promo to match them or rival how good they are with the sound bites, but just don't let her talk for that often. Don't give her a, a satellite promo to play off because she just gets lost. Spend the money, WWE, and even if it's just photos, I'd prefer it was if it was the video... Show every armbar she has done in the UFC or in, 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 in MMA, I should say. They've, like, Vince and Dana are mates, I think, or at least they are, have a mutual respect. They've used UFC footage in the past to promote Lesnar, but that would require them to realize, oh, scripts aren't very good. Oh, why have you got 30 writers there? <laughs> so they're not going to, like. Oh, I forgot Vince thinks women in MMA is barbaric. Yes, as well. of course, of course, of course. Ugh. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. We go back to uh, Rangers' locker room. Uh, Brock Lesnar's still in there. Kayla's catching up with him uh, and declines the offer of some more grapes. Uh, and she says, are you going to get out of here? You're not hear what, you know, Roman Reigns has warned you about? And uh, he goes, I'm not worried, um, but I'm hoping he gets here pretty soon because I'm running out of things to smash. And then he smashed a lamp. Great. A little bit like, oh, like champagne, that's good because it undermines Roman as this like sort of living the high life star guy. Table, great, great visual. It means that Brock Lesnar doing ordinary things is way more powerful than he could ever imagine. The lamp was a bit like, there's literally a family guy gag about Stephen King saying, it's a lamp monster. What can we break? A, a lamp? <laughs> this, this wasn't quite as good as everything else. Nice that he shares his grapes, though. Generous man. What has this become? <laughs> right. I'm going to get angry here, so I apologize in advance. Next up. It was the Intercontinental Champion, Ricochet, in action. Got a bit confusing here, because I think they announced him against Umberto, who he did face, but he was facing Angel, Angel, as I like to call him. They did this earlier. Michael Gore got really confused when King Wood started the match against Ridge Bloody Holland, despite the fact that Kofi said, it's going to be this guy you're facing. Anyway, so it's Angel, Angel versus Ricochet in a championship contenders match. Um... Angel gets a side headlock early on, but Ricochet fights back and Springboard clotheslines him. Goes up top, but of course, Umberto causes the distraction and uh, Angel takes advantage and rolls up Ricochet for the win. Right, so you've just beaten your Intercontinental Champion with a two-minute roll-up, whatever. And then Ricochet was made to look like even more of a dumbass because he gets on the mic and goes, ah, no, 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 we're not doing this like that. Why don't you get your boy to come back in the ring and take that L that you were meant to take or were about to take or something along those lines? And I was like, I don't really think you can have the, the hype. You just got beat. Like, all right, distraction, roll up, but it's still legitimate. It wasn't, yes. it wasn't a weapon shot or anything like that. Anyway, so he invites Umberto down and they have more of a 
an extended match, let's say. Uh, Ricochet hits a drop kick. Uh, Umberto immediately rolls outside and yells at the fans. And then so Ricochet hits another drop kick uh, and a, a huge dive in amongst all this to take us to the break. We come back. Ricochet still in control. Series of running uppercuts in the corner. Springboard moonsault. Uh, but Angel causes the distraction. And Umberto rolls up Ricochet, but he kicks out this time at two. Ricochet hits a northern light suplex into a vertical suplex for a great two count as well. Ricochet goes up top. But uh, Angel pulls Umberto out of the ring so he can't hit his big 450 spinny splashy thing. Um, so Ricochet walks the ropes and hits a massive crossbody on sh- onto uh, Angel, Angel um, who pushed Umberto, saved his mate out of the way. Um, and uh, selling this, Angel rolls under the ring. Ricochet tornado DDTs off the table on Umberto Carrillo. Uh, rolls him back in the ring, but Angel... Uh, who was it who reminded me of? Oh, God, yeah, I just remembered who it was. I want to make you look like Ellsworth. Um, Angel grabs his leg from under the ring, and Ricochet gets counted out. Michael Sidgwick, the Intercontinental Champion, got beaten twice on this show. The legacy of this title is under threat. I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> You're going to slap me. I'm going to slap this out of you. Put some, keep the Intercontinental Champion's name out of you. Mouth. Oh, uh, my God. I don't know whether people earnestly feel this. By the way, can I just caveat this? The reason I have a confession. I don't believe what I just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did see your tweet over the weekend and wholeheartedly agree with it. Thank you. So there's two sets of people on Twitter. People will just tweet, huh? what do you think, Mr. Perfect? Guys, guys. Cesaro's a good wrestler. Pass it on. Pass it on. So there are... Clyde's, <laughs> what do you think of Mr... I don't know why it's got me today. Thoughts on uh, Mr. Perfect? Bret Hart. Good match? Question mark? There are people who chase clout and chase numbers and ch- like like farming. They farm likes to pander to people lowest common denominator in order to build their Twitter profile and presence. No insight. It's it's the opposite. Of, it's literally the opposite of insight. And they will say things like you've just said, like in a mocking tone about, oh, my God, guys, the prestige of the Intercontinental title. Why can't it just be on WrestleMania? <laughs> Won't someone think of the, the IC the... title? <laughs> and on the other hand, there are people who genuinely bemoan the state of the Intercontinental title and what WWE does to mid-card champions. And I why? What have you been watching for two decades? I kind of understand, right? Actually, I don't. I was going to say, I understand if you just start, start watching WWE two years ago and you realize, oh, hang on, like, they could be effective storyline drivers. It's hard for me to take um, champions seriously when they get pinned all the time. But no one's started watching two years ago because nope. why would you start watching from this? To understand watching from the Hogan era, the Attitude era, whatever. No one's starting to watch it from here. So... Either stop chasing likes with inside bereft like farming bollocks because you know you're a hack. You know deep down you're a hack just chasing engagement. Or watch the product for a sustained amount of time and realize that you might as well give up. If you are earnestly out there bemoaning the state of the mid-card titles in WWE, I do not know what to tell you other than give up and become all elite. (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, Impact Wrestling's had a sneaky good year this year. You yeah. can watch that. Or you can watch New Japan Pro Wrestling where 
you know, it's nowhere near the peak, but if you watch it for long enough, you can probably get away with the clap clouds in a way that I can't. That, what I'm saying is that there are options available out there if you want to watch a pro wrestling promotion that values building the prestige of storylines in title. Yeah. Uh, story, uh, titles and storylines. Like, stop it. Seek help and un- unironically touch grass. <laughs> because if you spend more of your life bemoaning the state of the Intercontinental titles... You'll waste your life before the grass grows on thee. Ooh. You know, in a, in yeah, a, yeah. In a grave. I, it's like, been it, almost or over two decades. Don't respond to me, I'm sorry, with, oh, yeah, the Miz and Dolph Ziggler had something in 2016. That well, there's been flashes. These are what you call rule-proving exceptions yeah. to the weekly, monthly, yearly, decadely grind of this promotion, not caring about mid-card champions. Just realize it's never going to happen Stop caring. I don't understand why you still care. Perfect, or, pre- or pretend to still care. Perfect example. Seth Rollins isn't on WrestleMania right now. I know he's been summoned. We'll talk about that in the Raw preview later on today. What, what culture wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from. He's not on the card. Neither's Ricochet. So up until this point, why wouldn't Seth Rollins, who, of course, fought for the IC title in a really enjoyable... He's tr- on Raw and Ricochet's tr- on SmackDown, and you're not allowed to appear on the respective shows. Well, I mean, apart from tonight on Raw. In, like, Sephiroth's yeah. faced Roman at Mania <laughs> and all the other countless examples. Yes. Um, but having said this, there's better ways to get to this triple threat that they're doing on WrestleMania SmackDown than having the Intercontinental Champion beaten twice in one night and issuing a challenge for the second one. Like, oh, get back in here, and then still losing. Yeah. I mean, you're making the champion look like a complete geek. The idea of a champion is a curse. Like the whole idea is, if you're good enough to be a champion, it's like, right, okay, you're really good at your craft, your chosen craft. WWE is the opposite of good because it does the opposite of that. If you're a champion in the mid-card, you just get beat all the time. Mm. And the thing is, it happens so frequently. But not in title matches, in championship contender matches. Yes, it happens so frequently now that if anything, and I've had this take on an article recently, the mega fans will forgive me. If anything, WWE has been so bad for so long that their worthlessness as a creative enterprise, actually does some favours in this AEW versus WWE culture war, where a lot of people, and I used to do it in the past, I've kind of stepped away from it, but ardent fans of either promotion will constantly cherry-pick examples of one company being bad or doing something bad or doing something good to say that oh, the company that my identity is, is wrapped up in is better. WWE has been so bad in this specific regard, and many others, but in this specific re- specific regard for so long that no one ever points it out when Champions <laughs> lose on telly anymore. It's just the customary way of doing business. People don't point this out because you're not going to get any engagement. It's not an insight. You're not going to get any likes. It's not interesting. It's not worth, like, bemoaning unless it's some people on Twitter for some reason. WWE being bad actually helps it out in this culture war because who's going to point this out? What's the mm. point? Moving on, uh, Sami Zayn got interviewed backstage saying he's feeling really good ahead of WrestleMania. People are talking like Knoxville's, Johnny Knoxville's got a chance against him. Uh, in a regular match, Knoxville's got no chance and now anything goes. He's even got even a worse chance than that. 
he said the pranks Knoxville is known for may well work on his brain-dead bodies, but it won't work on him. He spent months dreaming and strategizing about hurting Knoxville, and at WrestleMania, uh, Knoxville is going to experience pain in a way that has never before been seen in the WWE. I got excited by this because it just seemed to set up that they may well do pranks at WrestleMania as part of this bonkers match. I've maintained this position since Johnny Knoxville arrived on WWE television, and I will reiterate it here. I would much rather WWE put a lot of care, thought, and attention into um, physical punchlines by way of stunts in a match involving Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville as this big, stupid, star-driven spectacle that people are going to care about than do a soulless emulation of three-and-a-quarter-star wrestling. Mm. Much rather this. And Sami Zayn's line here was genuinely quite good because it, gets, it sparks the imagination. It makes you think, right, okay... Oh, that's interesting. What exactly is he going to do? What is this promise? The fact that it's a heel doing the promising means it's going to get subverted and the babyface is going to do mm-hmm. this. We are going to see the giant hand and some jackass adjacent stuff, which should be good. Yeah, yeah. The moment he called on his brain-dead buddies, you were like, oh, you've really messed up by saying something like that. Um, they're, they're doing a, a, a thing at ringside with uh, Cole asking McAfee about WrestleMania. <laughs> When uh, Austin Theory shows up and twats the headset off McAfee's head, he chases him backstage, but uh, uh, Austin Theory goes and hides in Vince McMahon's office. Yet again, what's his problem? Yet again, what is his problem? Pat McAfee could not have done more to humanize Vince McMahon on the Mm. Pat McAfee show. They had a nice old time. They generously offered Pat McAfee a WrestleMania match. Vince McMahon had a decent rapport because it's all a complete worked fluff piece. (laughs) So why does Austin Theory have a problem? Is it because he's an idiot? That's fine, I guess. Delusional idiot heels have driven mid-card quality for years and years and years and years and years. Maybe I should be nicer to it. I just don't get it. I do not get I like it. I like this just for the incredible shift in gears that they had to do from McAfee coming back to the desk and just being really pissed off about Austin Theory and then obviously having to to deliver the news about Triple H. That was a that was a hard turn they had to try and make. Uh, I don't know why they put those two things together. Anyway, we got the Fatal 4-Way next. Uh, next, even, it was Sasha Banks, Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, and Queen Zelina <laughs> in action uh, early Can on. Can the- preview what she does on Raw? I don't yeah. care, but I want to hear the voice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the heels jump out. It's Banks and Ripley uh, left in the ring, and they, they go into it. Uh, but then Zelina pulls uh, Sasha Banks out of the ring, and there's a big brawl with everyone who's their tag partners at ringside. Their fight takes to the break, and when we come back, they've been kicked out from ringside. Queen Zelina is briefly in control. <laughs> Misses the double knees in the corner, and uh, Banks put her in a bank statement. Baszler stops Zelina from tapping, though, and tries to break her fingers instead. Uh, but Banks... Puts them both in the bank statement. Ripley breaks it up with a running drop kick. Goes to hit Baszler with a rip tie, but she slips out the back and Banks hits a backstabber on both Shayna Baszler and Ripley, which looked nice. Well, it looked like a sock to take, but it looked nice. Um, Baszler and Zelina Vega are, are out on the outside brawling. Uh, Ripley hits that cannonball uh, to take out Baszler. Zelina hits a hurricane runner off the apron onto Ripley. Uh, and as Zelina's getting back into the ring... Banks has recovered. She puts her in the bank statement and gets the submission victory. The action was half decent by 2022 oh, yeah. women's division standards here. They tried to craft something, and that just made it all the more acutely sad when the audiences did not care about this yeah. at all. There's no stakes. It's momentum ahead of... They literally said that as well. Who's going to get the momentum? That's what they say all the time. Yeah. It's a multi-man match to build towards a multi-man match. 
Um, there's no purpose for this to happen other than they need to fill out TV time. So nice little sequences in there. But I could not help but feel sad at the plight of Sasha Banks in particular. I've been doing some thinking of this of late. Mm-hmm. WWE ruins virtually every act that they sign on the main <laughs> roster. It's just a fact of goddamn life. I, earlier in this uh, podcast, listed like five names that tend to get better reactions or like a reaction more often than not. The rest of them are just cogs in the machine. And it kind of breaks my heart a little bit to watch Sasha Banks be a cog in this machine. She is, I think, I think she is the most squandered WWE name in the post-NXT era. Fair when shout. they became really synonymous with signing generations upon generations of can't-miss talent who got over everywhere else they worked. Like, the, the the list of names are endless. I truly think... You see you see what Miro does in AEW. You see what Moxie does in, in AEW. You see what countless other people do when they are not in WWE anymore. You recall what they did in PWG and ROH and elsewhere, whatever. I still think, given how great she is on the cell, she sells everything like death, how creative she is on offense, how much her stuff looks really explosive and snug and just devil-may-care in terms of the risks she takes, in terms of the following she's developed in spite of her book and her aesthetic. Things that I will not say on a podcast because I do not demean myself by being horny on main, but things that she does with body language that get memed a yeah, lot. Exactly. On, people enjoy it on Twitter. Her charisma, mm. shall we say. How many people love her, besotted by her, obsessed to a degree with her, how cool she is, the various looks that always get people talking. Considering what she's doing to this reaction on WWE TV is, I think, the indictment, the worst indictment of how bad this promotion is. She is criminally, criminally underpromoted. I completely agree. Uh, right, main event time. Uh, an SUV pulls up, uh, and it's got Paul Heyman in. He opens the door for Roman Reigns, and he says he's worried. Paul Heyman does, uh, but Reigns says he'll be fine, but Brock Lesnar won't. Uh, and they run down the lineups for... Two nights of WrestleMania. That's how long it took Roman Reigns to get to the ring. Um, and uh, Roman gets on the mic, acknowledge me, all the usual stuff for, for uh, uh, Brooklyn. And uh, he asks if Brock is still in his locker room. And uh, Heyman's scared. And he says, don't worry, this is only a bad thing for Brock. Uh, if he's still there, then Roman's going to come back there and put his head through a wall. And they cut to the locker room, which is trashed. But... No sign of Brock Lesnar. Uh, there's a Suplex City chant, and Roman again gets a bit irked and says, this isn't Suplex City, this is the island of relevancy. He's losing it, as we keep referring to. Um, and then we see in the back that Brock is stood with Roman's SUV, and uh, he's got a pickaxe this time. More vehicle stuff, as correctly called by Michael Sidgwick. Um and he smashes up the SUV, smashes the windows and dents the hood and what have you. And Roman says, oh, it's the actions of a scared man. Uh, there's no weapons at Mania, you dummy. And uh, he doesn't care because he can just, he can just, uh, buy, he'll just buy a load more cars. Come on. Uh, anyway, Brock tosses the uh, pickaxe and starts walking to the ring. And suddenly Reigns is like, where's he going? Where's he going? And uh, Lesnar's music hits. And uh, I don't know, it's the little things. Roman does this thing where he just starts like rubbing his face, like, come on, get your shit together, Roman. 
Uh, but Brock walks through the crowd to a, a hero's reception, um, and he uh, <laughs> he climbs over the barrier and gets on the announce table, and bucket loads of security come out. Goobers, but security nonetheless, to surround him. And uh, Rain sort of goes, you know, what are you going to do? How are you even going to get to me? You're on the announce table, what have you. Brock's got a chair, but even so, look at the amount of people. Brock hits a flying kick off the announce table onto some poor bastard. Awesome. Uh, and then just starts wailing on the dudes. We often say that, you know, there's times where, you know, yes, I know he bloodied up Cena the first or well, second time he properly got his hands on him. But generally, I think Brock's pretty much, I, I, he's terrifying, but a safe worker. He never really, you never hear reports of him injuring people. I get the feeling that he turns that that dial up a little bit when it's just just generic security dudes because he's like, well, even if does something does happen to you, I don't want it to, but if something does happen, you ain't got to be on TV next week anyway. So he breaks this chair over uh, anyone who stood around him with a with a black t shirt on. Basically, he beats them down. Uh, Roman Reigns runs scared out of the arena. Paul Heyman's next to him. The Usos look like they might try and slow Brock Lesnar, and even they think. Nah, probably best not to. Uh, Brock Lesnar is just just raging at this point. He scares off uh, McAfee and Cole from commentary and Reigns. Again, little bitch boy that he is. Cuts a promo from Gorilla saying, oh, well, I'm going to make you acknowledge me at WrestleMania. Despite the fact that they could have just been face-to-face and he's been saying this. Uh, but Brock Lesnar stands tall, poses with a chair to close back. Now, what an ending this was. Yes, it's great. Brock doing this is always great. It is getting potentially a little bit repetitive. They're not really advancing the story in any meaningful way. We don't know anything this week. We didn't learn anything this week that we weren't already aware of last week. No. It was still pretty damn entertaining. Yeah. Brock Lesnar killing dudes is something that I will probably never get bored of. It's just such an awesome, in the strictest definition of the word, I am reacting with awe at the power this man can wield with just his bare hands, even better when there's a chair in those hands. Yeah, it, I could have missed this week and missed nothing. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't quite on the level of the contract signing, which is just much of the same, but the same is still so much better than everything else on this catastrophically dire program of television. <laughs> like, SmackDown is so terrible. It is so, 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 so bad. But I still think this would be good, even if there wasn't a curve of terrible stuff against which to feel like it's more yeah. appreciated. No, just uh, that, that image of him jumping off that table and just kicking that bloke will live with my memory for a long old time. And yeah, just, just to reiterate, I love this Roman Reigns character of... All mouth and no trousers. Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely great. Running scared to close out his show, supposedly. You know, we say that WWE doesn't do long-term booking. What works so majestically about this Roman Reigns character in this frame of mind is that they spent months, 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 a year, well into a year, in fact, establishing him as this unflappable killer who might show his ass every now and then. He always won in the end. Barely even needed the Usos. He's been dominant for so long that this really feels like a shock to the system to watch him behaving mm. in this way. Like, long-term storylines aren't just how often people in the ring are standing across from each other, how many pay-per-views the series go. It's all about character arcs, and this Roman character arc has been tremendous. Absolutely. Let us know your thoughts on SmackDown on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch there, you can follow both of us. You can follow uh, Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. 
You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And of course, uh, this was the uh, penultimate SmackDown before well, WrestleMania, SmackDown, then WrestleMania. And if you want some delicious beers, if you are in Europe, again, apologies to our international listeners who aren't in Europe. Uh, if you want some delicious beers to have, including our very own Michael Sidgwick named clickbait thumbnail beer, which we tasted on WrestleCulture. And oh, it's my God. Genuinely delicious. It's delicious. Not just saying that. 5.3% YPA. Uh, you'll get some of those beers in there along with a whole selection of the other delicious beers that Top Rope Brewing do. Uh, and we've, we've banged on about how great their beers are for quite some time. Uh, you get 12 beers in total. Uh, £45, which is an absolute bargain if you know your craft beers. £45 and free shipping if you enter the code Here's Why at checkout. But go and get it. You can still order them now and you will receive them in time for WrestleMania. Top Rope Brewing. Dot com. But for now, this has been the SmackDown Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.